Good. Ready for some word? Come on. If you have a Bible or a Bible app today, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Pete chapter 2. I started a new message a couple weeks ago. I want to continue with that today. It's called The Living Stones. I got that title straight out of the book here. Straight out of uh, these verses, 1 Peter 2 and verse 4 reads, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so we, we, we get the picture here, this this image painted that, that God is building a house. And in, in essence, what he refers to us is, uh, are as, uh, you know, living stones or we are building material, okay? It's not just a natural thing. It's a spiritual house that he is building. He's not, you know, building structures on earth. We just use these, these buildings uh, to accomplish our purposes. Really, uh, people are the spiritual house of God. And if, like a stonemason would, would be very specific with which stones of which shape and size go in different places, likewise, God is choosing us and saying, you, you fit best here, you look good over here. If we put all of you in these places, we build something very strong, eternal in its, in its, in its endurance and very useful for God's purposes. So the good news is we all can have a a very significant role in God's kingdom. None of us have to be useless or insignificant. We have a, a part in God's eternal plan. Now, when you know that, it starts to bring motivation. It does for me. If I think he wants to use me, well, I better make myself usable. I better get in place in my mentality, in the way I carry myself, something that is useful in God's hands. Everybody okay? Some people are more usable than others. Not that we have to compare ourselves with each other, but comparing to just God's standard, I think we should ask, Lord, can you do anything with me? Are there, are there things that I do that make me unusable? Still loved, like we said before, still loved. All the stones are loved all these living stones, but some are more usable than others. And so uh, I'm teaching this method message uh, more as a just a practical guide, a little self-inventory to say, what good am I in God's hands or how can he use me? And these principles, they work for, for us as a church. They work in your job. They work in your family. They're just character qualities that make us a better person. All right, and so I want to continue talking about honorable vessels. Let me remind you of Second Timothy chapter two once again, verses nineteen through twenty-one. It reads this way: Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal: the Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, and some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, or because of that, uh, if anyone cleanses himself, that's not a cleansing that God does. That's not cleansed by the blood of Jesus, because that's for sin. 
This is talking about usefulness. This is talking about this, these dishonorable uh, character traits that can exist. If anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So you see the principle, whether I am useful to the master is up to me. If I will take the time and attention and give, give focus to my own life and say, you know, there are some things I do, I just want to sanctify myself or separate myself from it and say, I don't want to be that way. I'm not going to think that way. I don't want to be that kind of person. Sometimes it's easy to recognize the, these character flaws in other people, <laughs> and we become blind to our own selves. Everybody with me? It's like, it's like the principle if you're in a group and, and you can't find anyone who has a particular problem, but you know they exist in every group. Right. Some of you got it. It's like, oh, <laughs> I'm that person. <laughs> but sometimes we need a little reminder to, to look that direction. And so, so what does an honorable vessel look like? Who is most usable in the hands of God? I want to give you some more principles along these lines today. Uh, here's a very important one. This would be, if you've been taking notes, number, number five number five. It is those who consider it an honor to serve. Those who consider it an honor to serve. They say, what a privilege it is. I mean, the Lord has, has given me life. He has called me out of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love, and I have been washed and cleansed, and I am free. If, there are, if I could play a part in this, if I could have a role, if I could be used by God to bring life and help to other people in some way, I would be most privileged in that. The person who feels that way, you are usable. You have, you have the right perspective and mentality, as opposed to those, you know, basically, whenever they do anything for anyone, they act like they're, they're just doing everyone a favor. Their very presence should be admired. <laughs> uh, they're just waiting for praise and for uh, people to say, you're just so selfless. And, and th but they carry themselves with that attitude. I'm just doing everyone a favor if I ever lift my hand to help anybody or do anything that's not required of me. That attitude really, really kind of stinks. And that heart where there, people don't feel like it's an honor to serve. Everybody with me today? Okay. I've had people uh, uh, tell me that it almost, it's almost surprising, but it's very admirable. When they, they serve in different parts of our church and they're, they're working with different areas and they come and they, they have told me, uh, thank you for letting me do this. And they're not getting paid money. They're not getting like a material benefit. Thank you for allowing me to serve here, to help here. I'm like, you're thanking me? I'm like, I'm thanking God every day for you because without you, we couldn't do what we're doing. But their attitude is admirable. Their, their heart of saying, this is a privilege to serve God. Where some other people, you have to twist their arm. You have to, you know, it's like you can't get them to do anything willingly. And others have that heart, that heart of honor. And that's, that's really what we want to emulate. I want to show you something in, in Romans, um, the book of Romans, a left turn from where you were, chapter 14, if you would look at this with me. 
see it with your own eyes. In, in, the, in the context of people honoring days or not, or eating certain food, not eating certain food, and them dealing with those challenges, Paul writes to them and says, uh, beginning in verse 5, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes, observes the day, observes it to the Lord. Everybody say, to the Lord. That's a phrase. Now look for that phrase in the rest of this. He observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats, uh, eats to the Lord. For he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. But if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whatever, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. You catch a theme? Catch a, 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 a spirit about that? Is there should be within all of us a consciousness of God. Whatever I do, I should be doing it to him. It's for the Lord's benefit. It's for his kingdom. And if I'm not doing something, the reason I'm not doing it it's for the Lord. Everybody with me? So we analyze everything we do and everything we don't do and say, why am I doing this? What is my motivation? Is it unto him? If it's unto him, he receives it. I, I, I mean, anything you're doing unto him. Now, obviously, deception could set in. You could say, well, I'm, I'm smoking this joint for the Lord. Well, no, you're doing that for you. That's not, and so don't go, don't go crazy with this, but I'm talking about anything that we're doing. Uh, we should have the mentality, the attitude that it's to the Lord that I do this. It's for him that, I'm, uh, that I go to my job. It's for him that I give a gift to someone, that I smile, that I come to church today. Why are you going to church? I'm doing it for the Lord. What do you mean for the Lord? I mean, I intend for it to be worship. I mean, no, worship is not just limited to the time we sing. I mean, that is like a, in a very specific way we're expressing our heart and worship and gratitude and so forth to Him. But in a broader sense, everything we do should be to the Lord. Right now, we should be worshiping the Lord in a manner of speaking. When we have the offering, we're, we're doing that, we're giving. What are we doing? We should be worshiping God. Yeah? When we're serving. Someone's probably changing a diaper right now. You. <laughs> With some babies. Do you know you're, they're changing diapers and it's worship to God? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it ought to be. They ought to be saying, to, you know, not like every time and every wipe and everything else, but the, the, the big picture is I'm doing this for the Lord, to the Lord. I think we get credit in heaven when we do things with that mentality. It is not just singing, Jesus, I love you. It is serving one another. You think about, about husbands and wives. Is their only expression of love to each other found in, in verbally expressing or telling them you know, things, nice things or words of love? Or 
is their love for one another also shown in a hundred different ways? By doing things for them, by supporting them, by running the kids around, by, by taking care of the yard, by fixing things in the, you know, just whatever involves the family, when they do things for each other, that is also an expression of love. How many know if there's none of that, the words become hollow? Yeah. Uh, might our words be a little hollow at times? Jesus, we love you. And we say, I just love that song. Why? It makes you feel good, huh? That's self, could that be self-worship? It just makes me feel so good. Well, how about we seek to make him feel really good? Yeah. And there's, again, there's nothing wrong with the singing. I love that we should do that more and more and more. But it should have some substance behind it. And I love the Lord because I'm helping with the, the kids. I love the Lord. I'm serving the Lord. And that, that's why I'm, I'm greeting at the front door today. That's what, you know what I'm saying? This is this attitude of for the Lord. Listen to these verses. Uh, Colossians 3, 23 and 4. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. So whatever you do, do it with a consciousness of him. Do it to him. Do it for him. Is it possible to do the right things for the wrong reasons? Certainly you can. Certainly we could become motivated by, by selfish gain, by the approval of others. We, we could seek, uh, you know, again, like what, other, what others think of us. Jesus taught that when it came to giving to the poor, when, it, when, he, when he taught praying, you know, in public. Uh, and the, those who would do that for the praise of men, he said, you basically have your reward already. Whatever they say, when they think, man, you are spiritual. Wow, you are selfish. He said, that's all you get. That's all you get. Just a few people saying, yeah, you're awesome. He said, but if you do it in secret, you do it to where the, father's, the Father knows what you're doing and why you're doing it. And you're praying to Him. He said, He sees in secret. He will reward you openly. Right? So this consciousness of God is what we want. Colossians 3.17 reads, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever you say, whatever you do, can you, be a, can you, can you raise your consciousness that God hears, that God sees? Now, watch, the Lord's not there to knock you down for saying the wrong thing. That's not his motive. That's not what I'm talking about. Don't say anything wrong or he's going to slap you. No, the Lord is there to receive what we do. That's why we want to be conscious of him. I'm doing it for him, for his benefit, so he will be glorified. Sometimes I refer to this as the God factor. Why do you do what you do? Why do you serve where you serve? Why do you sing? Why do you give? Why do you, uh, you know, uh, act with character and integrity in a business deal? Why do you do this? I do it for the, the, the God factor, meaning he's involved in everything I do. Why, again, I think I already said this, but why come to church today? Because of the Lord. Well, my, my wife makes me. Well, my parents make me. Well, this person expects it of me. Well, I signed up to serve and I have to. Repent of all that nonsense because everything is to him. 
Everything, that's, it doesn't carry any value unless you're doing it for him. Hallelujah. We should say thank you that I can serve. I count it a privilege to be a part of your eternal purpose. Ephesians 6, 7 from the New Living reads, Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Where would that apply? Well, that would imply here, but that would, that would apply on your job. It would apply with whatever you do. Do it for the Lord. Say amen. amen. All right, number, number next. Uh, that'd be six. Honorable vessels, people usable by God, have a positive attitude. They have a positive attitude. I love this verse. It carries the spirit of this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13 reads, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. So he's referencing the motivation of preaching the gospel. Why we do that is we believe something, therefore we're talking about it. But he uses his language, we have this same spirit of faith. A spirit of faith. We, we can define faith, but what's this spirit of faith? Okay? When someone has a spirit of faith about them, I tell you, they're never negative. They are not negative Nellies. <laughs> they are not ones to always look for the problem and focus on what's broken and what's, what's not correct. They are people who are positive. If you have a spirit of faith about you, even if you approach a negative situation, you're looking for an answer, you're going to trust God, you're going you're to speak life into the situation. People who are negative, they're very hard to work with. Have you ever worked with that person? If you've, ne if you've never worked with that person, then... Okay, you know. Uh, it's, it's one of our... <laughs> It's one of our stated values here at Life Church that we, uh, that we are steadfast in faith. One of the things we talk about with our leaders, with our staff, is no matter whatever happens, whenever we're dealing with, it, we have to deal with problems. We have to deal with issues. I mean, one of the reasons a church exists because of problems in the world and problems in people's lives. And so we deal with negative stuff, but we always have to deal with it in faith. What does that mean? We're never just walking away from it all frustrated. We're never coming away from it uh, with just sadness and despair because that faith is not in, in, in the frustrated mentality. Faith, faith does not exist when someone's in despair. So we always have to come back to what did the Lord say? What is his promise? What is his guarantee? And we are going to believe God to fix it, to change it, to turn the situation around. Yeah, you can't be in faith and be, in, and be negative at the same time. And people who carry a spirit of faith, they are unusually positive. When I say unusually, compared to the modern world and people who get buried in, in, in problems. Amen? Amen. We, uh, we like to um, think of it this way, or I like to say it this way. If you are a part of this house... I have a request. Why don't you help us make it better? Help us improve. Help us make church and our families and our relationships and everything we do, our outreach to the world, make it so good that, you know, we give the devil nightmares. 
Like he can't get in here because everyone is, everyone is full of faith. Everyone has a good attitude. We just stay that way. Yeah. Come on, help us make it better. Instead of those who can, you know, find everything wrong. Experts. Well, the Lord has given me a gift. A gift of suspicion. A, a gift of finding out what's negative and what's wrong. Blah. That's not a gift. That's your flesh. It's like the person who came to church here and they said, yeah, the Lord called me to go around and correct pastors. You think that's a calling? No, sirree, Bob, that is not a calling from God. Why don't you help make things better? Amen. Making things better doesn't mean you ignore problems. It just, it's, it's a different spirit about you when you're looking to fix, looking to improve. Yeah, I have a, a niece. We have a great niece, and she's really, still really young. I forget how old she is, but especially when they're really young and we don't live around them, they're always, wherever we get around the family, they'd have to remind the, the young, young kids who everyone is. This is Auntie Amy. This is Uncle Mark, but I wouldn't introduce myself to her. I, I told her my, when she was really young, I told her my name is Uncle Yes. I said, that means whatever you ask, the answer is yes. Now, you, you do it young enough, they can't ask for things you can't afford and stuff because they don't know about them. Uh, uh, but uncle, I just want to, you know what I was doing. I want her to like me above everybody else. And so... We'd go around and she'd say, Uncle, yes. That's, that's Uncle, yes. That's right. That's right. Now, how many think that's better than being Uncle, no? <laughs> I don't want Uncle, no to be in our church. What does that mean? The answer is always no. We can't. We won't. <laughs> We're not able to. We can't afford it. We don't have the ability. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough this. We don't have enough that. The answer is always no. And, you, and God can't use you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Having a spirit of faith, a lot of times, it means you smile a lot. It means you laugh. You're, you're up. You're generally up. It doesn't mean you bury your head in the sand. You don't acknowledge that there are real problems in the world. No, you just believe God's bigger. Believe the promises of God are sufficient and he's able to cause us to stand in the middle of turmoil and trial and we're always going to come up and come over. Smile, laugh, believe God. If someone comes to you with big problems, hear them out real seriously and when they're done, smile. Say, this is a chance for a miracle. This is a setup right here, right now. We're going to win this battle right here because we're going to believe God. We're going to apply his promises to this situation. Yeah. Would you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 with me? If you're still in Romans, just turn right it's real close. They're neighbors. 1 Corinthians 10. One of the reasons we want to have this spirit of faith or positive attitude is because complainers tend to die early. So if you're seeking self-benefit, that's okay. You don't want to be the complainer. They, they tend to die. In our, this situation, they die in the wilderness, is what we say. And, and that's the picture of the complaining uh, Israelites coming out of Egypt, going to Canaan's land. They were constantly whining 
complaining about everything. We don't have, we're thirsty. We're hungry. We're tired of this manna. Oh, these, these ravens, blah. Moses, send us back. We want to go back to Egypt. And, and, and you brought us out here to die. And some of the situations they were complaining about, it's not like they weren't real. It's not like they weren't truly tired of this and tired of that. Uh, but the Lord still got on their case about being complaining, complainers regarding it. So you might think at times, my complaint is justified because this is a real problem. However, it's that spirit we don't want to get in us. That attitude of finding negative and complaining instead of saying, what's the solution? What's the answer? Lord, what would you have me to do about this? In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul writes here, verse 6, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Now, if we stop right there, we might think, yeah, those guys, they shouldn't do that. And I'm going to learn from this. I'm not going to have idolatry and sexual immorality or tempting the Lord. I'm not going to do these kind of things in my life. But verse 10 said, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. So we sometimes will identify certain sins and say, I'd never do that. Oh, no, I'm cleansed from that. I'm not going to participate in that behavior whatsoever. I'm free from that. And then we allow these attitudes and these complaining characteristics to exist, and they get a free pass. Well, the Lord knows my heart. Oh, yeah, he does. That's the problem. He knows you're, you're, you're complaining on believing heart. <laughs> Verse 11 said, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So they did it. We're supposed to learn from other people's mistakes. You know, you can learn from your own. We've all learned from our own. But how many know it's better to learn from someone else's mistakes? You know, the school of experience is a great teacher, but the tuition is way too high, right? Learn from someone else's experience, and this is one of the things that we are to get. They complained, they griped, they whined, and died. And they, the, the destroyer got to them. The word complain is also translated as murmur, or it means to grumble. So it's just this. Now, I know sometimes this happens. Now, listen, I don't know who you are, but I know sometimes people come to church and they're there because someone else talked them into it. Okay, I get that. And you're fine. Uh, but the problem is, is you're looking for something not to like. Why? So you don't have to come back. <laughs> so you can say, yeah, I'd go with you, but I sure don't like the way they did this and this and this and this and this. And I, I just want to recommend to you, not knowing who you are, I'm not calling you out. I'm not here to beat you up recommend you don't allow that spirit to be in your life, whether it's here or at work or in, 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 you know, in other things that you do where you're constantly an expert in finding what's wrong and complaining. That spirit of murmuring, grumbling. Everybody okay? 
Yeah, if you look straight ahead and just smile, I'll never know it's you. Yeah. The Lord knows. <laughs> Listen to this, uh, Philippians 2.14. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become the blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Notice he said, I want you to have, I want you to have a contrast between you and the crooked and perverse generation. You're supposed to shine as lights. So the picture is the crooked and perverse generation. That would be society we live in. He said, uh, they are the ones who would complain and dispute. You should contrast them. We have to work extra hard at that in our day. Okay, it was not only true in their time when this was written. I think it's magnified now. People are complainers and gripers and negative Nellies like, like you've never seen before. Sorry for using that word Nellie twice, especially if that's your name. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Nellie. <laughs> and Karen. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, we just need to recognize the, the culture around us tends to focus on negative things. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, you know, news headlines over the last number of years. So many headlines in news, newspapers or, you know, online and so forth. They are some version of this person criticized this person. That's what the story is based on. That's what draws people in. This person ridicules this person. And we think, oh, what did they say? And it's usually, you know, this famous person or this senator or this president or this, you know, someone of recognition, and they blasted this other person. This person blasts this person. And that's what keeps their news, news thing rolling. It's like that's all we have in news is what one person said about someone else. One person's complaint. That's not exactly a great commentary of our times. That's the wicked and perverse generation. Let's not get sucked into it. Let's not revel in it or rejoice. Let's not rejoice in someone else's, uh, you know, di divisive strategy, but be those who can find good things and find things that are worthy of praise. Amen, amen. Again, that doesn't mean you can't ever deal with negative things. One of the things we do around here uh, in our staff is we have, a, we have a meeting on Tuesday to talk about things that went wrong on Sunday. Yeah, I don't mean exclusively. We talk about things that went right as well. But it's like, I don't want to have a meeting and not deal with real problems. We just do it with a spirit of faith. Meaning it's not about bashing anyone. It's not about saying we're just a mess. God can't do anything. It's like, hey, this went wrong. Can we fix that? Hey, you said this this way, and it, let's say it this way next time. Just constantly looking at improving making things better. You can do that with a spirit of faith as opposed to a spirit of, of, of complaining. Amen? Everybody okay? And if you watch a lot of news, which I recommend you don't, be very limited because they are lying to you. I mean that in all seriousness. So much of the time what they're saying, the opposite is true. The opposite is true. It's agenda-driven, and, and I could probably spend hours just talking about that, which I don't want to. Uh, because then I'd feel 
I'd go away here, out of here complaining. <laughs> I'm just saying, let's be wise and say, okay, what's the, the God answer? What's the res- proper response? What's the spirit of faith I can have in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation so I can shine as a light? Hallelujah. Let me give you one more today. All right, one more. Is people who are honorable vessels, therefore usable by God, are non-offendable or unoffendable. Better way to say it. They are unoffendable. All right. Listen, if you are quick to take offense at what other people say or do, you are basically practically useless in God's kingdom. God can't use you if you are quick to be offended. He can't. He won't. He won't be promoted. He won't be advanced. He won't, he, 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 won't, he, won't, he won't do that because that offense attitude, I mean, even, I mean even when people are offensive because there will always be offensive people in the world. There will always be people who say things without tact. See people who do things that sometimes are just blatantly wrong, but we cannot allow this offensive spirit to exist in our lives. You talk to any pastor, including me, (laughs) what is one of the main strategies the devil uses on Christians? And I'll tell you, we would all tell you, it's people being offended. They don't know how to deal with hurt feelings or someone did something wrong or they perceive that they did. They don't know how to properly deal with that. They take it inwardly. They separate families. They separate churches. They separate relationships and become useless. Our culture, again, not to harp on that, but is highly offendable. That's the mantra of our day. This person said this. They used this unusable word. You're canceled. You said this, you think this, and we've interpreted your motive in doing that, by the way. And we know with precision why you did that. So you are an outcast. Then label different groups with different words, and it's so ungodly. It's so inspired by the devil, but they think they're real smart. But if the end result is all we do is divide, all we do is come away with hurt feelings, we come away with anger and bitterness, and how can that be God? How can that be the Spirit of God at all? Jesus said this was coming. <laughs> when teaching on the last days, he said in Matthew 24, 10, and then many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another. If we only had the one verse, how many know we'd read that and say, huh, I think Jesus is coming back soon. <laughs> if the last days contained that, he's definitely coming, like, Right right around the corner. But let's not adapt to it. Let's uh, stay in the word. Keep his thoughts. Keep the love of God dominating in in our hearts. I like this verse. I'll say this with in closing. Psalm 119, 165, King James. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. How do I avoid becoming a person who's quick to be offended, this book right here, be one who loves everything God says. It will produce in you a maturity 
a spiritual development where you'll be impenetrable with those type of attacks. You'll be able to deal with disappointment. You'll be able to deal with people being uh, offensive. You'll be able to deal with, with all this stuff in a mature way to where it won't get in your heart. It won't cause you to separate relationships. You'll just know how to handle things on a, in a better way. You'll become a seasoned believer. You've been through the seasons, the winter season, the spring, the summer, the fall. You've been through it all. And you come out on the other side saying, I can deal with this. This is not going to trip me up like it did a few years ago. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Great peace have they. Great peace. How come you're never, you're never troubled? How come you're not angry? How come you're not all, all stirred up about this? Well, because I love the word and it just kind of does that to me. I love whatever the Lord says and his word is stronger than whatever you say. Than whatever people are saying in the world. Ever people talk about me behind my back. No one likes that. But the word of the Lord in me is stronger than that. His love for me is stronger than anyone else's hate for me. Can you be that way? We can all be that way. And you know when we are, we're so usable. We're so much a vessel in the hand of God that he can use and do great things through. Amen. Praise God. Now, uh, I've been ending the last couple weeks with this. I want to do this again. Um, If you would like to be used of God here in this house, we have ample opportunities of different areas. And it's really God's plan that everyone, all of his living stones, um, play an integral role in his ultimate purpose and plan. And so we want to help you to be uh, a vessel usable by God. One way you can do that is you can, uh, you can access that list, that, that, uh, uh, those opportunities of serving by texting that word serve to that phone number. That's, that looks like a personal phone number. It's not. It's a, it's, a bit, it's a texting number. It's just not one of those short codes. That's not someone's phone. <laughs> You'll get a, an automated response from that with a link. And so that's how you can, you can do that and, and some opportunities become available. And we want everyone to be significant in his, his eternal plan. Amen. And this is how we can help you do it. So I want to recommend, encourage, if you're idle, to get off the bench and get in the game. This is what we call our partners around here. We have, we have partnership. You're, sometimes people say, I don't know. What, what, what's the, what are those partners at Life Church? What are those who are on the dream team? Those who are serving. You've linked arms with us. We're doing ministry together. We're making a difference in the Treasure Valley. Praise God. Praise God. So do that. You'll be happy and blessed. Do not, don't do it and you'll be sad. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Amen. The Lord is good today.